Welcome to the Heart Soul Wisdom Podcast, a journey of self-discovery and transformation. Moira Sutton and her amazing guests share real-life stories, tools, and strategies to inspire and empower you to create and live your best life. Come along on the journey and finally blast through any fears, obstacles, and challenges that have held you back in the past so you can live your life with the joy, passion, and happiness that you desire. Now, here's your host, Create the Life You Love Empowerment Life Coach, Moira Sutton. Welcome to our second season, episode 31, Activating the Global Heart, Creating Our New Normal, with our very special guest, Sheva Carr. Sheva is a visionary, humanitarian, creator, lover of life. I love that one. Author, speaker, and the founding CEO of Heart Ambassadors. She is also the co-vice president and UN delegate leader for the United Nations Peace Messenger Organization Pathways to Peace. Sheva helps people all around the world learn how to access your heart intelligence and peace of mind to receive the benefits of the heart's impact on your relationships, health, performance, creativity, contribution, legacy, social change, and the building of a global culture of peace. HeartMath Institute are committed to help awaken the heart of humanity to wake up. They believe that when we align our hearts and our minds and we connect with others, we awaken the higher mental, emotional, and spiritual capacities that frequently lie dormant. So without further ado, I would like to welcome back our very special guest, Sheva Carr. Welcome, Sheva. Oh, thank you, Moira. Thank you for having me at this crucial time in our history. Yes, and your message is so powerful. That's why we're going to have you back many, many times. So if people miss you from one of the interviews, and I invite all listeners to go back to when Sheva was pre- previously on, so it'll be on the list, and listen to the first one and listen to these this message over and over again. <laughs> and um, mm-hmm. definitely, you know, invite people here to get involved with HeartMath Institute or and to start implementing these tools. So let's talk about that, you know, and continue our heartfelt conversation. So first, for new listeners, can you just start and begin with, you know, what HeartMath Institute does, their vision, their commitment to their commitment to help awaken the heart of humanity. So I get all excited there. So I'm just going to take my own breath. (laughs) Uh Well, excitement is legal. (laughs) (laughs) Last time I checked. So um, I actually am a co-director at HeartMath Healthcare. So I'm going to distill things more in in a kind of physiological conversation. Thank you. And say that, um, it's to wake up the heart of humanity can sound a little bit grandiose, but really it's quite simple in that uh, most of us live, if you think, I don't know, of the how often, in fact, I feel like I'm constantly on my computer pushing update later. It's always popping up these things saying download up, updates, upgrades now. I'm like, no, no, don't bother me with that. I have a Zoom call with Moira. I can't be bothered. See you tomorrow. <laughs> but 
<laughs> we update our computers more often than we update ourselves. Mm-hmm. And so most of us are wandering around in this day and age um, with physiological programs or responses that were really designed when we lived in prairies and jungles and caves, fleeing predators. Mm-hmm. So this fight or flight response that activates in our nervous system and cascades throughout all of the body systems, which is very effective if a tiger is chasing us or a Mack truck is about to bound our way and hit us, but not so effective if we get an email that's upsetting or are dealing with a pandemic where we need to use our higher intelligence to respond. So modern stressors require a different capacity than the survival-based intelligence of our ancestors. And when we go into that fight-or-flight response, it creates a chaotic pattern in the heart's rhythm and what's called heart rate variability. But this just herky-jerky kind of uh, Richter-scale earthquake-type rhythm in the heart that then sends a message throughout the body of a kind of disorganized chaos. And that tends to shut down the higher thinking centers of the brain and the self and situational awareness, impulse control, those kinds of things. So with a simple skill we'll do right now, humans can learn to self-regulate the heart rhythm changing over 1,400 things in their physiology. Not the least of which is the part of the brain perceiving the present moment and responding to it. So how does the brain, like there's a brain in our heart, how, how, how do we go about doing that as self-regulation and you know, our, our real... So when we do that, it optimizes our capacity for visionary foresight, problem-solving, solution-seeking, the very kind of thing we need in the modern stressors we face. So many, many, many of our mental health issues, physical health issues can all be in some, not all, but many, let's say the vast majority can be tied back to running the wrong software program in our hard times. Mm-hmm. And this simple shift in our physiology can occur literally in a heartbeat. So that's why it's well adopted, for example, right now in hospitals and healthcare or by law enforcement beginning to adopt it more and more um, because it can be done in the midst of the stressor, in the height of the demand. So uh, an ICU nurse who has to intubate a COVID patient can actually do this self-regulation in the middle of that patient need while she's, she or he is caring for that patient. What are some strategies that, they, that you teach them to use so other people today can hear that? So because- we have 40 different heart math skills. The only one we teach open source in a radio interview like this is called Quick Coherence. It's kind of the hubcap of all the spokes of all the other tools. And so we can do quick coherence right now if we just invite everyone to focus your attention on the area around your heart, the chest area, 
And imagine your breath is flowing in through the heart and out through the heart. Breathing a little slower and deeper than usual. If you find it helpful, and there's some method to this madness and some science behind the magic, you can count to five as you breathe in. And count to five as you breathe out. And with that heart-focused breathing, you could just start to notice, are there any changes already in your body, your emotions, your thought process? Now, the second step of quick coherence, which quickly gets the heart rhythm into a coherent state, again, changing those 1,400 things in our physiology that optimize our health, our self-awareness, our situational awareness, our capacity for a more effective response, is to activate what sometimes that heart math gets called a heart feeling, or we would call a renewing feeling. So a feeling that fills your fuel tank. So that could be a feeling of gratitude, for example. Or appreciation. My husband and I just found out we're getting a new kitten in six weeks. Oh, wonderful. So I can just start appreciating that little guy and instantly I feel my shoulders relax. My I feel warmth, which is an increase in circulation. You can notice if you can find something to breathe gratitude for in this moment as you breathe in through the heart and out through the heart. You see, it doesn't have to be grandiose like bells and whistles and angels on high and some kind of big awakening. It can be as simple as appreciating your cup of coffee or your chai, but that starts downloading that new software program to your heartware (laughs) where the heart gets coherent. Radiating system-wide coherence along four communication pathways four or five actually, throughout the whole physiology, including the brain. So Moira, as you do that heart-focused breathing and activation of gratitude, breathing in through the heart and out through the heart, do you notice any changes in your body, emotions or thoughts right now? Mm -hmm. I found just by breathing in and out, just I relaxed. I went into a feeling of love gratitude and appreciation, as you mentioned. And it was just, oh, and what a beautiful, simple exercise. As I said, we're we've putting our house up for sale in a week and a half. And that's one of the big stressors, I think, marriage, divorce, having a child moving. Um, and just to do this during this, the packing, the getting ready, and just know that all is well, being in the moment. So definitely my my shoulders, I was sitting back, but I really felt a lightness. And just really a state of love 
appreciation. Now, we bring these tools into the densest of human experience. I've taught we're we're in a really heightened conflict right now going on between Israel and Palestine. And I've taught these tools to girls in the Gaza Strip Mm -hmm. during a bombing. Mm -hmm. So they're realistic, not idealistic. And it's important that that our listeners know you're not always going to be able to access appreciation or love. Um, in certain stressful circumstances and in those moments and everybody could just try this right now. If you focus your attention on the area around the heart and imagine the breath is flowing in through the heart and out through the heart again, counting to five as you breathe in and counting to five as you breathe out. What that does is it actually begins to balance the autonomic nervous system. When I was in medical school, the autonomic nervous system was like the holy grail of medicine because 97% of doctor's visits were attributed to imbalances in autonomic function. For for our listeners, the ANS, the autonomic nervous system, is just the fuel pedal and the brakes of your car. It decides whether we're going or slowing. And as you can imagine, when you're driving, you want that to be in finesse. If you're just pedal to the metal, you'll crash into a wall. But if you're just brakes, you don't get anywhere. So this counting to five as you breathe in, counting to five as you breathe out, roughly a five-second inhale, five-second exhale, is the optimal zone for autonomic function or the gas pedal and the brakes. So that's one um, element of this. And if you can't access appreciation or love, just the breathing by itself can start to move the dial to bring you to a more optimal state and a more optimal response to your circumstances. But there are also renewing emotions you can find even in a stressful environment like the Gaza Strip right now like compassion or courage or dignity. So I invite our listeners just to try those on for a moment, to breathe either compassion or courage or a sense of ease inside with what's difficult outside as you breathe in through the heart and out through the heart. How does that feel for you, Moira? Mm. Again, just beautiful. That was one of my questions for you. When things are going around outside of us and we don't feel that we have any control over that, and just to go into a state of compassion for people and for ourselves, but others in that courage and that dignity, sending love out all the time. Because there's so much fear out there in the news and and you know with COVID the fear is still we're still in it and uh, and just different like you said um, Palestine and Israel and different things still happening and 
racial stuff and but to send to people that and if we I, I believe if we hold that intention all of us and this is probably part of your teaching what you teach is to hold that in as a community a collective you know we we can have an impact you know a global coherence effect well, that's certainly the leading edge of the Hartmouth Institute's research is looking at how collective human heart feels because not only does the heart have a pervasive influence on your whole body, it also radiates like anything electrical in nature. This phone I'm holding and talking to you on, Myra, Myra. Mm-hmm. Um, or, you know, your computer that's keep my computer that keeps popping up uh, me <laughs> messages. Yes. Um, everything electrical in nature has an electromagnetic field that it broadcasts, and it turns out the heart is the most electrical organ in the body. Each heart cell is its own electrical battery, so it's broadcasting a very broad spectrum electromagnetic field that can be measured by crude instrumentation called a magnetometer three feet away from the body. And so those fields in our hearts are interacting with other people's fields and the Earth's electromagnetic fields. And HeartMath Institute has actually begun to measure that interaction. We've known for centuries that the human field is influenced by the Earth's field, but now we're looking at can humans influence the Earth? And that's a very compelling data starting to come out of sensors that have been placed around the world measuring the Earth's ionosphere and how collective points of human focus on caring for places like Israel-Palestine or natural disasters influence the outcomes and the Earth's electromagnetic field. How do people... And that's a lot of questions I was going to touch upon, so thank you. (laughs) Yeah, well, you called this activating the global heart, so that's really a lot of ways what that means to me. It's compelling that we can do heart transplants but not brain transplants. The heart, well, if you ask anybody to point to themselves anywhere in the world, they'll point to the heart, the chest, as their sense of self except in Japan where they point to the nose, but in Japanese acupuncture, the nose is a reflex for the heart. So we all feel our selfhood to be at the heart center. And yet that selfhood is interchangeable. Uh, We can transplant it, but we can't transplant the brain. So in some ways, this is Sheva talking, not heart math talking. I have come to feel in my own heart, like there really is only one heart. We're all plugged into this universal heart frequency through our individual hearts. And when we unite in human caring, compassion, love, and gratitude, then we change the field environment for the whole planet and probably beyond. And that changes outcomes. We know from earlier research done, for example, by transcendental meditation organizations that focused care can leverage a difference in localized violence. Now, are there groups through HeartMath um, 
doing work like this, like getting together and through numbers influence it. Like I know Lynn Target, she does like her power of eight, eight people coming together with this intention and this focus. Are there groups right now with HeartMath that people can start to join? And Absolutely. So yes. there's two that pop to mind and I'm sure there are many others. Um, uh, the obvious one is the Global Coherence Initiative itself, which is free to join, um, which you can access through heartmath.org. Uh, they offer complimentary webinars on a regular basis with new information about the science coming out. But there's also an app. So we actually have a biofeedback technology that will mirror to you in real time this simple heart rhythm shift. Call it, there's two. There's one for an iOS or Android iPhone uh, phone, cellular phone, called the Inner Balance Monitor. And then there's a device for the computer called the M-Wave Pro. Um, and with these devices, you can actually log into the GCI app and join. I, last time I checked, I believe there were 65,000 people oh. in the app joining at specific times to send heart to things together or to do whatever practices they do to radiate love, care, and highest, best outcomes to various global issues. Um, so you can log into that GCI app and be a part of a group there. My organization, Heart Ambassadors, was designed precisely for this purpose, to do to have a threefold effect. One, we do very in-depth training on the, this self-regulation body of work. Uh, so we train all 40 of the heart mass skills as well as about 50 other capacity building educational programs, for example, on conflict negotiation, mitigation, um, various healing modalities, and so on, to bring to full capacity people who want to make a difference in the world. That's the first step. The second step is we meet on a daily basis and collectively as a heart ambassador community send heart to specific issues around the world. And thirdly, we go beyond just sending heart. We think of ourselves as kind of monastic activists in that we have about 50 different world service projects in 11 different categories in alignment with the sustainable development goals from the United Nations to take that heart intelligence and power and translate it into effectiveness on the ground for world service. So that's how I ended up working, for example, with girls in Israel, Palestine and the Gaza Strip. And um, so we, we work in that domain. We work, we have hunger projects. We have, conflict mitigation projects, endeavors to um, contribute to the efforts to end trafficking, conservation, food security, because heart intelligence um, isn't just a soft skill. It's the soft skill I would want in hard times, and here we are, because it brings on board our innovative capacity to solve modern problems. That's extremely powerful. Oh, yes. Thank you, Moira. In fact, if your listeners want to send heart, um, you know, you were talking about your move today and what I've been working on this morning is we've been collaborating with the United Nations for the last nine years. And I know there's mixed feelings out there about the UN, but I myself 
have a kind of reverence for the UN. Um, of course, anywhere there are people, there are people issues, but the founding vision of the UN in order to unite the world's nations to create peaceful resolutions to conflicts is profound. And some of what happens there is really the leading edge of possibility for our world. And so we just found out this week that um, we've applied two and a half years ago to receive what's called consultative status at the UN, to be able to work there more and serve the vision, serve the staff um, at an even greater level than we currently have been. And so um, our our review for that, our sort of exam, if you will, <laughs> is our, our Q&A session with the selection committee is Tuesday. So I've been preparing for that all morning. Um, and so... Sure to go very well, and I, I love that how you how you refer to it as the leading edge of possibilities because I truly believe that there's well inf infinity that you know the eight that there's infinite possibilities when we step into that zone. Well, I love it that you brought that. I mean, this is obviously veering off topic, but uh, in preparation for this, we created a new website about our uh, world service work, and. Um, there's a top navigation panel on it called gratitude, but we turned the A into an infinity sign. <laughs> uh, and that's where we express gratitude to all our donors and volunteers who are creating the new world as we together choose love and create from that. Hmm. Isn't that perfect? I'm, I'm curious, Sheva, you know, people who, this is just, Again, I think it's all perfect, our conversation. It doesn't have to go one way. And I love what this information is coming out, what you're sharing. Um, people who have had a heart attack and they've come through that, what happened when they were going through that, that heart attack? Was it they were just in so much stress, the heart just almost like broke? <laughs> Do you know? So there's not one cause for cardiac arrest. Yeah. Um, in fact, there are... Generally speaking, six known primary risk factors for heart disease and heart attacks, almost all of them except congenital issues, meaning you were born with them, mm -hmm. are lifestyle issues that can be changed. Mm -hmm. So I'm really glad you're asking this question because it's become, for me personally, the primary focus of my work, both uh, I have heart diseases in my family. Certainly my father died of sudden cardiac death. I have siblings who have hypertension, which is the number one risk factor for heart disease and all-cause mortality and morbidity, meaning that the likelihood you're going to get sick and die. Mm -hmm. A third of the world's population may be now getting closer to a half because they just redefined the numbers. Um, and found that even small increments of increased blood pressure produce long-term damage. So a third to a half of the world's adult population has high blood pressure. Mm -hmm. So this is the much larger pandemic that no one is talking about. Mm -hmm. Heart disease and heart attacks, stroke and other cardiovascular episodes kill more people than any other cause of death by more than double. Everyone's concerned or afraid about getting cancer, but you're far more likely 
to die of a heart attack than you are from cancer. Violent conflict, which we just spoke about and which I've certainly done a lot of advocacy and work in, is number 236 on the list, whereas heart disease, which you're bringing forward, is number one. Number one. But when, since when did that make the evening news? Mm-hmm. Isn't that just a, a compelling juxtaposition of facts? And most astonishingly, more than 90% of those cardiac episodes are preventable. Can you share so some why, more tools and strategies for people for that? Or- so why aren't we doing anything about that? So the top six risk factors that are known for heart disease include things like poor diet, and there are different definitions of what a poor diet is, but that's not a popular conversation because people are very attached to their food. We all know that elevated cholesterol is a high risk factor for heart disease. So, for example, those who have a plant-based diet have don't have elevated cholesterol because the only place you can get that is from animal products. So Dr. Michael Greger, uh, who has a, an exquisite resource called nutritionfacts.org, um, really outlines the diet that would prevent heart disease if people were willing to do it. But why aren't people willing to do it? Because of their emotional attachments to food, which brings us back to self-regulation, right? Mm-hmm. So that's And the capacity for visionary foresight. All of that is regulated by the heart rhythm. That's that's one of the risk factors. Obesity, which goes concurrent with um, obviously poor diet and lack of exercise, which is a third thing. So lack of movement. Now, this is not about fat shaming anybody, and this is we're talking morbid obesity is a risk factor for cardiovascular disease. Again, these are preventable measures. Blood sugar issues and diabetes, again, diet-related for the vast majority of people in our culture. Not all. There are other causes. And smoking. So what do people do when they smoke? They take a break from the momentum of the moment. They inhale deeply and draw a breath down into their torso, right? Mm Mm-hmm. And they pause for the length of the cigarette and take deep breaths in and out. Well, you could do that doing quick coherence instead. And I've taught many people to stop smoking by doing that. The benefits you get from smoking are less from the nicotine, which is the addictive substance and all the rest of it. And more, it's the actual pause to breathe deeply and get coherence in your heart. So... These are kind of the accepted risk factors for cardiovascular disease. But when I was a, a when I did our first heart math patient, educa- patient education program at a hospital, this was in collaboration with the Cleveland Clinic Heart Brain Institute in North Hawaii, and we were studying together. Uh, the dramatic heart disease levels in the local Hawaiian population, the native Hawaiian population, who also had all many of the other risk factors. And um, first, I was shocked at that time. We're now talking 20, over 20 years ago. I was shocked to read that lack of eating vegetables was one of the critical causes, which, you know, no one ever taught me that in medical school. Let's just put it that way. Mm-hmm. 
But still, 90% was considered idiopathic at that time. Idiopathic, as one of my friends, one of my cardiology friends used to say, means the physicians are idiots and don't know what's causing it. (laughs) Idiopathic. I don't know that I would agree with him, but it just means we don't know. We don't know the cause. Mm -hmm. Well, what's interesting now, and there if you look at it this way, just look at, at high blood pressure alone as a predictor that you're on track to die of heart disease. Six weeks of practicing the self-regulation skills from heart mass. Reduce hypertension in our study populations equivalent to two years of taking medication. Twice the impact of a salt-restricted diet an exercise program and a 40-pound weight loss. And I don't know about you, but especially in the demands of this time, it would take me way longer than six weeks to lose 40 pounds. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So we know that a huge amount of heart disease is humanity's stress and this constant activation of a survival physiology that's out of sync with the demand of the moment a situation and appropriate response, like calling an ambulance every time you want to go to the grocery store, the bank, or the post office. We're draining our physical vitality and our stress response, and the heart is paying the price. And that is also treatable, just like the other interventions are. And in fact, perhaps has more impact than all the other good you could do for your body in preventing heart disease. So you could still occasionally eat what you want, even if it's not the best for you, if you were managing your stress about it all. Mm -hmm. What's interesting here that I only recently myself realized in the last couple of weeks, because I've been focusing on building a, a, a blood pressure project for some of our healthcare partners and for, uh, you know, audiences like your listeners so that people can learn these skills to regulate their own blood pressure um, is that most of the drugs, in fact, I think all of the drugs that we use for hypertension, all of the pharmaceutical interventions intervene with the hormonal stress response. Can you expand on that? I'll have to go get my hypertension book and I can have a look. But um, yeah, so if you look at beta blockers, for example, all of the drug interventions that we're using are blocking either the adrenaline, the cortisol, Mm. or there's another hormone that's not popping into my brain right now. And so when we self-regulate our stress response, we're from the inside out balancing those hormones we don't need a drug to help us do it which is also good news for our olympic athletes for example um who dhea which is considered the resilience building hormone and is let's just say it eats out of the same pizza box as (laughs) speaking Mm -hmm. of bed it eats out of the same refrigerator as uh, cortisol, the quote-unquote stress hormone. So they're both, they share the same precursor, which is called pregnenolone, 
when you use these self-regulation skills, you have less stress hormone. That makes sense, right? Yes, it does. So you can make more resilience building hormone DHEA for the Olympic athletes I work with or any uh, competitive athlete. DHEA, if they take it as a supplement, is considered a performance-enhancing drug. And if it's discovered synthetically in their urine, they'll be disqualified. But they can make their own by self-regulating their heart rhythms. Mm. So if everybody wants to breathe through the heart for a moment, I can look up the uh, name of the hormone I'm forgetting. And if I don't find it, I can always email it to you later and you can, the book I'm sourcing this from, by the way, is called The Heart Map Approach to Managing Hypertension, The Proven Natural Way to Lower Your Blood Pressure by Dr. Bruce Wilson and Doc Childry, mm. with a pretty fabulous forward by cardiologist Mimi Granary. She's, she really outlines well um, how managing our own stress response and getting in phase with the heart is the hidden solution to this unspoken about pandemic of heart disease. Mm -hmm. You could, you could send that to me, Sheva, and I'll put it in the, the show notes for people so they can go look at that. Absolutely. Now, how do you define, because we, we, we've, uh, our focus for the title today was activating the global heart and creating our new normal. So what do you, what do you mean by the creating this new normal? How do you see that? How do you envision that? So we've been talking about the new normal already, which is really this upgrade to our physiology, right? Mm -hmm. So imagine if we didn't have to live our lives stressed every day, mm -hmm. reactive every day, what if we could self-regulate our emotions and be at calm ease inside to talk through problems and solve them through solution-seeking innovations together in collaboration rather than in conflict, worry, fear? You brought up fear, which is another undercurrent pandemic to the COVID pandemic, right? People are afraid of People are afraid of the vaccine or afraid of those who aren't getting vaccinated. Like the fear is just part of the survival physiology. We can bring our rational, mature heart to all of these things and handle them with poise. Mm. That's actually the new normal. That's the upgrade that our heart keeps prompting us to say, hey, you, did you want to download this upgrade to your software? Yes. yes. <laughs> um, and what that means in terms of, you know, when HeartMath right now is talking about a new normal is that there is a collective impatience in the, as we edge toward a post-COVID society where people want things to go back to the way they were before COVID. What's, what's your take on that? <laughs> that, it, well, uh, First, I'll share what I'm hearing from HeartMath, and I'd have to ponder what my take is on it. But what HeartMath is pointing out is that we're not in a post-COVID environment yet. If you look at India, for example, there's a huge surge going on. So the impatience is part of that survival physiology kicking in that can reactively and prematurely um, try to go backwards to the way things were before 
and create more messes and problems as a result. Does that make sense, Moira? Yes, it does. I don't personally, um, I believe there's a gift in every moment, even if we've had all these crises and everything and that we can learn from all situ situations, challenges um, that each one of us face. We all have that in our life and some people more than others, but that. Well, I want to honor for the listeners who've had huge losses during mm -hmm. COVID. I mean, I've spoken mm -hmm. with people who lost 11 family members. I myself only lost, my aunt died of COVID. It's a little, it can, it can feel for some, and I, I value the, the willingness to see a gift in every problem. That's definitely a heart perspective, but I also don't want to be callous. No, no. Listeners, it would be hard to say to someone who lost 11 family members, we'll look for the gift in it. This is, this is very painful and very difficult. There's no question. Um, the main thing, though, is that throwing ourselves into incoherence and out of balance won't bring our family members back. No. Nor will exposing ourselves to unnecessary risks in our impatience. Mm -hmm. So the way I look at this is, you know, um, our primary HeartMath certification, and actually my husband and I certify hospital workers in HeartMath and um, as well as world servers. And if anyone's interested in becoming trained to train HeartMath to others, um, you can reach out to us at destress, D-E-S-T-R-E-S-S -E -S -S, at heartmath.com. That comes to my husband and I and our team, and um, we can give you information about becoming HeartMath certified in one of our upcoming trainings. The training we teach is called the Resilience Advantage. This is the training we certify others to teach. And the emphasis is on resilience, which is typically the, the uh, thought of as the ability to bounce back. And that's where this impatience to get past COVID is coming from, right? We want to bounce back. We want life to be the way it was before the crisis. But Hartmass definition of resilience, which actually was uh, appreciated so much by the U.S. Navy that they adopted it as their own is a little more, mm, I, the word would be complex, but let's say layered. It's not just to bounce back because we can't always bounce back. I, I myself had birth anomalies in both my hips and pelvis, and I had my entire upper legs and hips reconstructed uh, a year and a half ago. Wow. I have prosthetics in my body. I'll never bounce back to who I was when I was 20. In fact, I've done what I call resilience 2.0. I've bounced beyond. I can do things now that I couldn't do ever before in my life because of this intervention, even though I'm not the same. And so the heart math definition of resilience includes this idea of bouncing beyond. To your point, Moira, becoming more of the heart of who we are in the face of a challenge. Mm -hmm. And sometimes in spite of it. And we look at resilience in societies as well as individuals. So that's why I do this work with the Red Cross and the UN. We look at how can a society become more after a wildfire or become more after an earthquake or a violent conflict, be better together because of the adversity that was faced. And so the heart math 
single sentence definition of resilience is the capacity to prepare for, recover from, and adapt in the face of challenge, adversity, and stress. So the new normal is an enhanced capacity to prepare for, recover from, and adapt. The adapt is the bounce beyond in the face of challenge, adversity, or stress. And that capacity is built through heart coherence. Mm, I love that. Prepare, recover, and adapt. The new normal. And yes, this, this, there was, I don't have a callous bone in me. <laughs> you know, Shiva, but the, the thing about. Oh, the- of course. <laughs> it's just sometimes when we, you know, we can bring spiritual platitudes to things that are really tough. Yes. Um, it doesn't fly. And so uh, it can be easily misunderstood. And yes. I just want to make sure you and I are not misunderstood. No, and I'm glad you clarified that because that's exactly the way you said this, the togetherness, that that's exactly where I, I come from. Because I, yes, we'll just leave it at that emotionally. I, I have a love for humanity and people on our planet. Please, no, there was no criticism of you. I just happened to do this work in pretty yes. gnarly situations. And yes. if you have listeners out there that are facing them, I want your heart to know this works, even in the the darkest place the light can turn on. Yes, thank you. I I would really love to close with a meditation and then share with our guests, you know, everything um, where they can find you and the gift that you'd like to give them. And if we can do a heart-focused meditation just to really energize our heart-powered intentions for, you know, to create new opportunities and the possibilities here in 2021. Mm, So beautiful. Thank you, Moira. It's such a privilege always to connect with you. I always leave more inspired by our time together. Um, I I also feel that. So let's uh, do a quick coherence to complete by focusing attention on the area around the heart, the chest area. Imagine the breath is flowing into the heart and out through the heart. Breathing a little slower and deeper than usual. If you find it helpful, you could count to five as you breathe in. And count to five as you breathe out. With that heart-focused breathing, you could first just pause to ponder how is your recovery going from the stressors of 2020? Radiate compassion to yourself and your loved ones for the way that the stressors of the last year and a half have played out in your life or theirs and radiate this caring, this resilience, this compassion by appreciating your strength and theirs to meet these challenges. 
everyone during COVID has had to adapt and pivot in some way what life used to be like for them. So appreciate your capacity and that of others to adapt, to pivot, to innovate as you breathe in through the heart and out through the heart. And one thing we didn't talk about in this call is that when you get coherent this way, it actually gives you more access not only to your higher brain function, but your intuition. Mm -hmm. So as we're breathing this appreciation for our collective human strength and capacity and compassion for the challenges we faced in through the heart, and out through the heart, you now are sort of tuning your channel to your intuition. So pause and listen for any intuitive guidance your heart has for you. And in particular, you could ask your heart, this is one of the ways coherence helps us prepare. Ask your heart, is there any preparation you could do for the rest of this day or your week to make an easier path for yourself? Moira, for your move, right? I was just thinking I'm going to go pack a few boxes after this interview. There you go. I mean, this is practical, real-world stuff. Last mm -hmm. year, not only were we in the pandemic here, but we were evacuated for two and a half months because our home was in the center of the California wildfires. Wow. And so I was doing this quick coherence technique one day, and my heart said, it's time to prepare for fire season. And my old self would have been prepared by bracing and going into all that fear we just talked about earlier. My new self said, okay. So we did a walkabout in the house and filmed all our belongings for insurance. And we called the fire chief and he's coming over next week to uh, walk around the house with us and, and help us identify steps we can take to create defensible space for the fire department. So that's a much more effective preparation than me just jacking my blood pressure up with fear mm -hmm. I, I know also with uh, my family um, that you know people say do you know where you're moving to and as you and I were talking just personally you know no I don't but I, I trust very much my intuition and my higher self and my spiritual just being that the right home the right area will show up I don't have to get that home before I sell this home. It's just going to unfold. And, and what if, you know, we have to rent or what if something like it will just, it will just unfold. And that's a trusting and knowing and at a, a very deep inner being. So of course the, the trusting and the knowing are 
renewing feelings mm-hmm. that create coherence in the heart rhythm and are giving you another sort of ancillary benefit of it, which is confidence. It's a kind of um, what the founder of HeartMath used to say to me is opens a can of can do. Oh, I like that. You know you can handle whatever comes your way because you'll just handle it effectively rather than react to it in fear. Mm-hmm. And really, I have this, I don't know if we talked about it before, you know, the fear acronym, not when danger is happening, but fear being feeling excited and ready. And uh, that's I, fun. Yeah, and, and I am excited and, and I don't know where we're going and it's a new adventure and I'm ready for a new adventure and it's just going to be perfect. So that's neat that you said Well, that. if you end up in Nova Scotia uh, <laughs> and you want piano lessons, my mom is a piano teacher there. In fact, I'm having a lesson with her in an hour because that was my COVID gift to myself is in lockdown for the first time in 50 years. I let my mom teach me piano in FaceTime. Oh, I love that because one of my things I've always yeah. wanted is to have like a baby grand and and we'll look at homes and go, that's where my baby grand's going to be. Because I thought about ah. going back to play piano because I did my grade eight to teach elementary school. All- that's amazing, Lara. You have to send me baby grand uh, magic because we're shopping for one right now. Oh, look at that. <laughs> and I'm sure my mom would cook you a blueberry pie and some lobster to welcome you. <laughs> oh, Wow. That's right. She is, is a, a, a top-notch piano teacher. She went to Juilliard, and I was kicking myself. I didn't let her teach me 50 years ago, as you can imagine. But you're doing it now. <laughs> and it's so amazing. I'll send you a little video of the story. I would, I would love that. Thank you, Sheva. And that came actually out of doing Quick Coherence. Mm. That was an intuition that spoke to me. I was so, as you can imagine, caring for hospitals. My husband and I, when COVID hit, were in extremely high demand here at HeartMath. We were running a crisis center out of our home and helping physicians and nurses literally 24-7 around the world. And I noticed after a few months of that that I was starting to burn out. Mm-hmm. And so I did this technique that we just did and asked my heart intuition what what should I do? And my heart said, you need a pattern interrupt. Mm-hmm. Some mind off of what you're caring for all day long. And it said, why don't you take piano lessons with your mom? It was just a flash. Mm-hmm. And so now my husband and I have been doing it together and we play duets. And it's been one of the greatest sources of joy in my life to date. So the heart really can create some magic in the mundane. Mm, I love that. And to and to listen to that intuitive nudge, which next time when you come on, Sheva, we'll get into that a bit more too. All right. Sheva, <laughs> could you just can you share what you'd like to give to our special listeners today? So um obviously if you would like to become certified to teach heart math, again, you can write to us at destress at heartmath.com. If you want to just learn the the basic skills, uh, let's say the first five skills for your own use, we're giving you the gift of our Heart Mastery Shift to the Heart Beginner course. And Myra will have a link to that. It's five pre-recorded webinars with a group discussion that meets live for group coaching once a week. And you can participate in those daily calls we do at Heart Ambassadors as our guest during the time you're in that class. 
which we talked about earlier, where we practice the tools together every morning and send heart to different things around the world. And we're giving you that shift to the heart course with uh, uh, a month of daily heart start calls as our gift to you to help you get back in phase with your heart and become a pacemaker cell in the heart of humanity. Love that. Thank you, Sheva. Thank you. I want to thank you for just being such a special guest and, you know, and sharing this powerful message. And that's why I want to have you back and back and back is to. Well, you asked all my favorite questions because nobody asked me about heart attacks and hypertension. And I'm like, that's the real conversation we should be having. (laughs) Okay. We'll dive more into that next time. Thank you for sharing from your heart and soul, your wisdom on activating the global heart creating our new normal. Namaste, Sheva. Namaste, such a joy. Smooth move, Moira. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Heart Soul Wisdom Podcast with Moira Sutton. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Please join our community at moirasutton.com and continue the discussion on our Facebook page, Create the Life You Love. You will be part of a global movement connecting with other heart-centered people who are consciously creating the life they love on their own terms. Together, we can raise our consciousness for the greater good of humanity and for our planet.